Hey, um, we are going to uh, start a new series today um, from the book of Acts. So for the next six weeks, we'll be reading from the book of Acts. Okay, so turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 8. And if you know anything about the book of Acts, um, when you read it, you should put your seatbelt on. Because it's kind of wild and fun. And when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of people's lives, like, it's crazy. We just came out of a series called Breakthrough, What's Stopping You? And if you just showed up today and this is your first time at the church, I want to encourage you to go to our website and listen to the, the six messages that were done on Breakthrough, What's Stopping You? On Disappointment that potentially stops us, on um, laziness, on pride, on things that trip us up in our walk with God. So go to our website, therivercrc.com, download those podcasts. You will not regret it. If you have a long commute, put it in your car and listen to it. You won't regret it. Uh, God did some amazing stuff in my heart over the course of that series, Breakthrough, What's Stopping You? Uh, And has sort of like, I don't know, sparked in me a new energy and faith and passion to know him. I heard from a number of people about God breaking through their addiction in that time. We heard stories about God like poking at people while they're sitting in the pew, like inviting them into new ministries. And they said yes. And so he broke through despite the fact that they had potentially been disappointed in the past. Um, We're hearing stories about God breaking through in people's breakdowns. And so in this, like, when the world comes crashing down and falls apart, um, we find that to be, like, really fertile soil for God to sort of usher in new life. Amen? Amen. And so uh, this morning, um, if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to that series of messages on Breakthrough from the book of Luke, please go listen to those. We start now a series called Open, six-part series on learning to be free. Learning to live in freedom. And I want to share a story before we engage in this text. A few weeks ago, I was reading the book of James with some friends, and we're studying it together. The elder, the deacon, and the fool. You can follow us on Facebook and join along in our reading. And um, we were reading the book of James, and I came across a verse. And the verse said... um, My friends, listen to this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And I read it. And you know sometimes when you're reading something and all of a sudden it's like... That's, that, that's what happened. That's what it felt like. Okay, I'll do it again. Slow-mo. And it hit me, man. It's hard. That in my life, I, I love to be in control of things. And when things don't go how I want them to go, my reaction is oftentimes anger. So for example, a little two-and-a-half-year-old who doesn't think that bedtime is actually bedtime. Bedtime is more like, no, this is time for me to like do my thing. I'll get out a little bit. I'll scream a little bit. I know I can ask you for anything, and I basically have you hostage because you're so desperate for me to go to sleep. 
And, um, you know, my, my response is often in those moments is like, just go to sleep. And I was like playing back the tapes of my head of like my responses to my kid and going, man, they must think I'm just like really angry all the time. And I'm not just at bedtime. <laughs> but it hit me like a ton of bricks, you know. Um, the word like really pff, hit me hard. A few weeks ago before that, there was a, a situation and I was, I was wanting to be in control of the way things were, controlling my environment, controlling people's lives, controlling, you know, and, and um, I was getting frustrated because things weren't going my way, right? Anybody been there? Yeah, maybe. Maybe you're a um, Toronto Blue Jays fan. And things just haven't been going your way the first two games of the series. And you're frustrated. And so you're, you're, you want to hang on. You want to control it. Right? So I was getting angry. And I didn't know what to do. And I would used to call people. And then God said, why don't you talk to me about it? Why don't you talk to me about your frustration? Why don't you talk to me about like, your anger? I got it. So then I go on a walk. So if you see me walking down Highland, just let me go. You can honk at me and I'll wave like this. But we're talking, okay? And so I'm like talking to God and just, I'm frustrated because, hey, come on. I thought we had a deal. Things go my way here, right? Like that's how this works. The world marches to my beat, right, God? And, um, and then uh, there's a guy who's digging holes at Plymouth Village, right? The thing right next door to here. And I felt and like thought or had this idea, whatever you want to call it, impression, sense, you know, spirit, whatever you want to call that. Hey, you should go talk to the holy man. (laughs) Right? Go talk to the holy man. And I thought, no, I'm not talking to that guy. He's he's working. I'm not going to interrupt him and like, nope. Walk past him. I'm not listening to that little prompting, that little nudge. I'm going to keep going. You and me, we're going to figure this out. And so I walk around Plymouth Village. I'm praying, why? Just tell me, God, come on. What what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I turn around. I'm walking back. And there he is digging the holes again. And God's like, just go talk to the holy man. I had walked by him. So now it's like the walk of shame, right? So now I turn and walk back down the sidewalk. And I walk up to him. And I'm like, hey, man. And he's like, Oh, hey, how's it going? I'm just frustrated. Hmm. Yeah. Life can be really frustrating sometimes, can it? Yeah, it, it can. You know, and uh, I, I know that, like, I know that I shouldn't be frustrated, but I just am right now. Hmm. You a believer? Yeah. Yeah, I thought, I thought you might be. Well, you know, I, I think what you probably need to do right now is just surrender. Like, okay. What do you mean? Well, it sounds like you're trying to be in control of things that aren't in your control. And what you need to do is, is surrender your life to God completely and trust him. He's going to take care of it. It's like, okay, I, I knew you were a holy man. Really spoken into my life. Could you pray with me? And he's like, I'd love to pray with you. And so this guy puts his shovel or his post hole digger down, puts his arm on my shoulder, 
And just the only thing I hear him say is, God, help this young man surrender. <laughs> right? Come on now. And I would leave there, and it's again, it's one of these things. <laughs> the word of God spoken to me through the holy man. The word of God spoken to me through the text. And um, we're going to read Acts, and we're going to talk about being open. And what it means to be open to God's active presence in the world. What it means to be open to his spirit's prompting. What it means to be open to his movement in your life. What it means to be open when he says, like Mark said this morning, go to go and stay to stay and surrender to surrender. And it's interesting that these disciplines we're going to be talking about, we think of disciplines with such negative connotations, at least I do in my life. But these are disciplines that we develop to learn how to be free, aren't they? They're disciplines that we develop to learn how to be free, to hear instead of the condemnation, to hear instead of the anxiety, to hear instead of the fear, instead of the worry, instead of the you're not, you're not, you're not. And instead of all of this, we develop disciplines to learn how to tune in to the voice of God. To learn how to tune in and be open to what he's speaking. And sometimes that means cutting down on the noise. It means cutting down on the noise, the chatter, stilling it so that we can be open. And the question for you this morning, just right now, is are you open? Are you open to hear? Are you open to see? Are you open to what God might do in your life today? I want to pray before we read this text. Will you join me? God, for each of us sitting here, there's lots of different things that vie for our affection, our attention, for our identity. There's lots of chatter and voices. There's lots of challenges that we face, barriers to encountering you, to experiencing you in fresh ways. This morning, we want to be open to hear again the good news about how in Jesus Christ you are for us. The good news about how there is a life so filled with joy waiting for us as we tap in to that divine energy, your Holy Spirit. God, find us open this morning. Still our hearts and our minds that we might become like you in love, that we might become like you in serving one another, that we might display to the world how you've been good to us. Amen. You open? You open? Acts 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, 
he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. I'm going to pause right there. Philip, little backdrop on him. You can read about him in Acts 5. He's a deacon. He's one of these seven deacons who's been selected by the apostles to take care and administer mercy and justice. The apostles said, we got to be about prayer and we got to be about the ministry of God's word. And so we need to assign people different tasks. And so Philip, you're somebody who seems to be full of God's spirit. And so we're going to select you for this task. Stephen was another one. Nicholas, what a great name, was another one. And we see in Acts 8, the story before this one, that Philip is a part of the fulfillment of what Jesus called the apostles to do. In Acts 1, he tells them, you're going to go into all of Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, and you're going to proclaim the gospel. And lo, I'm with you. My Holy Spirit is with you on this mission. And so we read the story before this one. The apostles go back to Jerusalem. The story too before this one, Philip has gone to Samaria. And in Samaria, people are like amazed because of the signs and wonders that accompany the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, that there is a king of the universe and it is not you. And this king, when we live lives of submission to him, responds with his presence, his very self in our lives. And that, my friends, is the gift. That is the good news. The good news is God is with you. In 8, verse 8, it says, So there was great joy in that city, in Samaria. And so imagine Philip in crowds of people in Samaria, bringing healing, ushering in the kingdom. It's like... Um, like a, a revival kind of atmosphere, right? Big tent, a lot of people coming. And he's in the front of the crowd. And now we have a completely different picture. Because there's just this one person. There's this one person. This Ethiopian official. Now a couple things about this Ethiopian official. One, he's coming from where? Jerusalem. Where he had been? Worshiping. So he's someone who has some understanding about who God is. He's curious. He's open. He's in his chariot reading the prophet Isaiah. So this is somebody who's very open to what God is doing. However, he's not a full part of the family of God. Why not? Well, because when he got to the temple as an Ethiopian, which in the text it says something like burnt skin, when he got to the temple, they said to him, hold on a second, um, you have to stay here in the outer courts because you are not, my friend, a Jewish member of the family of God. And so there's this barrier for him. And Philip is going 
to the ends of the earth when he goes into the desert because this Ethiopian eunuch represents the ends of the earth. For people in that day, Ethiopia, which is like the northern part of Sudan at this time, represented what they knew of sort of like uh, civilization. So when Philip encounters this one person on the road, he's encountering somebody who's going to the ends of the earth, a representative of the ends of the earth. That's why this story is in the text. It's a fulfillment of Jesus' command, go into all the earth, go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so that's why this story is in here. Now notice Philip's posture. The disciples and apostles are going back to Jerusalem. They're going to go kick it. Jerusalem's like the place, right? Probably got family there and comfort there. And um, Philip is open to something else. So the angel of the Lord visits him. Now here's the deal. I don't know what the angel of the Lord means. I don't know who that is, what that is. If there's like bright shining lights, you know, and someone with a face like Pastor Scott who's like, you know, go to the desert. Or if it's like an impression that he has, you know, in his heart. Or if it's like an actual person who's walking and is like, Philip, you need to go into the desert. God has spoken, you need to go. But I think in our lives, we encounter angels daily. We're daily encountering people who represent the voice of God, the word of God into our lives. I mentioned a few of them. They're little ones. They run around my house, a lot of times screaming. They don't sound like the voice of God, but something else. But it's often their look at me, like, really, Dad? Really? You know, you're going to get up and talk to people about the love of God, and then you're going to scream at us in our room when we're not quiet? Really? And it hits me. (laughs) The word of the God through these little... Angels, maybe you're a teacher and you have students who confront you. Maybe you have employees who like ask you questions or just wonder with you about certain things. Are you open to hearing God speaking through them? A friend who might say to you, man, it seems like you're really, really stressed. Why? It seems like you get really, really angry on the soccer field when... The ref doesn't make a call. Why does that make you so angry? When things don't go your way, like why? What's going on? Tell me a little bit more about that. I think angels are speaking into our lives all of the time. And are we open to hear it? Are you open to hear it? Philip is open. The angel of the Lord says, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, right here is the place where for a lot of us, we, become, we throw excuses in, right? This is the land of excuse right here. Verse 27, when the angel says, go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. One, Gaza is not a, um, Gaza is like a Philistine town. It's one of the five Philistine towns. Like Gaza, I mean, angel, person, Gaza, this is not like, you know, why Gaza? The desert? It's hot. Like, I have chapped lips. I'm burnt already. The desert road? There's, like, what's there? Tell me more. Tell me what's there. And more is not given, right? Go to the desert road from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. He just, he goes. How many of us, when that prompting or that 
angelic voice, whatever that is to you, or that word of God comes to you, how many of us don't live in a world of excuse right there? Yeah, but I got this that I got to take care of in Jerusalem. And like, you know, I got to feed my donkey. And I don't know, like I'm looking for a wife and I don't think I'm going to find her in the desert. And, you know, like I got other stuff. How many of us, when God says go, say, how far? Where? I'm there. Philip responds and he goes to the desert and he runs into this Ethiopian eunuch who is, again, the spirit is at work ahead of Philip. The spirit is already working in this dude's chariot because he's got the text open. And the spirit of God will always point us to the text. If you want to know, like, how, how do I know if it's the spirit? Well, the spirit and the text will be in alignment God will not contradict himself. So maybe you're somebody who has dreams. My friends and I, um, during Breakthrough Series, had like a 10-day fast. It wasn't technically a fast because we were eating veggies and fruit and nuts, which is, you know, not a fast. But we read that Daniel did it, and so we were like, okay, I want to do that too. And so we prayed, um, God, my prayer was, I want four things, knowledge and understanding about who you are and dreams and visions. And do you know what happened in that 10 days? Nothing. I was hungry a lot. (laughs) Nothing happened. I was like, come on, we did it. We prayed and fasted. We wanted more of you in our lives and nothing happened until day 11. Day 11, I had this very vivid dream. It was amazing. I met this guy. He was a cook. Everyone called him Cookie because he was a cook. (laughs) And he was serving food to people. And when I met him, um, there were people, actually, I don't know if I told you, Mark, Oh, Mark Leonard's not here. But he introduced me to the guy in my dream. And um, this, this guy was like overwhelmingly good and he just blessed people. He blessed people. And people would come from all over to be blessed by this man. And so there were a couple people from our church. I'll let you know if it was you who this guy like blessed, right? And I met him and I wept. I just put my head like 10 feet from him and I just put it down and like wept in my dream. And I wept for like the goodness of this guy. And the, the goodness that flowed out of him, it was so good, it was so pure, it was so right, I just wanted more of it. And I was talking to somebody about my dream and like, what do you think that's about? You know, what do you think that, what is this? What does this mean? And he said, well, it seems like that, that person is like, people are hungry. People are hungry for something. They're hungry for God's presence. And, um, you know, this is somebody who is like ushering in God's presence. He's feeding them. And the sight for you was like overwhelmingly good. Now, I tell you this story um, so that you can go, okay, that's quacky. Yeah, you think? I wrote it down right away when I woke up and I was like, "Ah, what? This is the weird. And he looked like my crossing guard, by the way. I didn't say that. He looked like this crossing guard over by Lagonia named Bams, who is the most joyful guy I know. Every morning he waves at cars drive by. Hi, guys! He's so joyful every morning. It's like a boost, right? Um, But here's why I tell you this story. This thing, this encounter, I don't know if this is of God or if I just finally ate meat and like had a dream, right? (laughs) It might just be my body's like, oh, thank you, meat, yes. Dream about a cook who's, it could be that. But is it true that people are hungry for the presence of God? Is that true? Do we read about that? 
Yes, it's true. Is it true that to be in the presence of God is like overwhelmingly good? Better than, than any other thing. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, right? And would you not weep at the sight of seeing Jesus Christ himself doing ministry in the world? I would. I'd be filled with joy. So that spirit dream or meet finally after 10 days dream lines up with the text. And so your Holy Spirit moments when you're open to the word of God spoken to you. We have two books in this church that we say are sacred that God speaks through. Does anyone know what they are? It's the Bible, which is technically 66 books by 40 different authors, but it's the Bible specially revealed to us, God's presence, and it's creation, the created order. We say God is revealed in creation. That means through you and through me and through the trees and through the birds and through the flowers and even through pumpkins. That one's fake. Not through that one. God has revealed. His presence is revealed to us. But those two things, they will line up. And so, of course, he can be revealed in a dream. And that will line up with the testimony of the scripture. And so Philip's activity here, when he's running along the chariot, it brings him into this conversation with scripture. The word of God. As we know it, the Bible. It wasn't until recent history that people like you and me actually had a Bible they could carry around. Right? It was only for the elite. It was only for the scribes or maybe the priests. And so now we have a story that's with us all the time. And so this Ethiopian eunuch is is reading in his chariot about who? Well, he's reading Isaiah 53. Notice what it says. How can I understand? After Philip says, hey man, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. Have you ever had a conversation where you just felt like, man, God has been setting this person up to hear some really good news. God has been working ahead of me in this place to hear, for this person to hear some really good news. They're like stepping in to this little trap that God is setting where he's just like, ta-da, let me tell you about Jesus. I think I shared with you a few weeks ago about my epic fail when somebody was like, yeah, man, um, I've had these headaches. I'm trying weed right now. And I totally thought it and I didn't say it because I was a chicken. I should have said, have you tried Jesus? He's better than weed. But I didn't because I'm a chicken. And so Philip isn't a chicken. And this guy says, how can I understand it unless somebody tells me? Now, realistically, he could have at this point been like, Wouldn't that be great if you had like one of the apostles here to tell you? That would be so great. Have a great trip to Ethiopia. I hope you enjoy the sunshine and the desert road. How can I understand unless somebody tells me? Yeah, that would be so amazing. I know it's so great when you have people that do that in your life that share with you good news. How can I understand unless somebody tells me? Wow. It is amazing when people speak something into your life. He doesn't do that. He recognizes that the Holy Spirit is at work in this Ethiopian. He's got the eyes to see. He's open to the work of God that's currently unraveling in front of him. And he says, after the eunuch reads Isaiah 53, the eunuch asks Philip in verse 34, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Who is it when it says that he was led like a lamb to the slaughter? Who is it when it says that he was humiliated and deprived of justice? Who is it that it says that his life was taken from him? Who is that? 
And Philip began with that passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. The spirit and the text will always point to Christ. In your, in your work, as you are open to God, as you're open to what he's doing, it will always bring you back to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit and the text will always point to the person of Christ. Why? Because it's in him that we most clearly see who God is like. I remember years ago, I was attending a Bible study in Orange County. That was when I used to drive outside of Redlands. And um, there was these dudes that were so smart. And they, you know, like these people who like talk about the Bible and you're just like, you're afraid because they knew so much about the Bible. And they were, said they were Calvinists. And I thought at the time, wow, that, okay, so they must know the Bible. So, but what happened was when I was like going to this Bible study, I was becoming meaner and meaner. <laughs> if the Bible makes you meaner, you're reading it wrong. If the Bible makes you love people less, whether they're, you know, from a different country or want to kill you or not the same sexual orientation as you are, whatever. If the Bible makes you like them, love them, care about them less, guess what? You're reading it wrong. You're reading it wrong. It says in John 1 that Jesus Christ is the word made flesh. So if you want to know what the word is like when it takes on skin and bones, look at Jesus. Right? Look at his life. And how do we know about his life? Well, read the Gospels. The other stuff's really good too. But man, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you haven't read the book of Mark this year yet, go read Mark today. Don't even wait. Read it while I'm talking. Encounter Jesus Christ. He will change your life. And you'll look at him and you will weep. <laughs> you will weep. You'll see his goodness. You'll see how the people that he really ticked off were not the poor. They were not the sick. They were not the outcasts. The people that really got disturbed by him were the comfortable, those that were comfortable in their position and relationship with God. And the people that were really comforted by him were the disturbed, the people who have their face kicked in while they're sleeping outdoors. The people that their home is under the bushes over at Jenny Davis Park. Amen? Those are the ones he's coming to comfort. And so when you encounter Jesus Christ... Because his spirit led you to him and the text pointed to him, your life is going to be changed. You know what happens to the eunuch? He says, stop the chariot. Verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. I mean, this guy's observation skills are out of the roof. Look, here is water. And the eunuch said, uh, and he gave orders to stop the chariot. When Jesus Christ encounters your life, you will give orders to stop whatever chariot is carrying you. Whatever thing is carrying you. Whatever thing is leading you at the time. If it isn't him, you will say, stop the chariot. I just had this encounter with Jesus Christ. I need to stop and turn my life again to him. I don't know what's leading your life, but if it's fear, if it's anxiety, if it's the need to control, if it's the need to be right, if it's this like sense of helplessness, if it's illness, whatever is leading your life, if it isn't Jesus Christ, I want to invite you today to stop the chariot. Stop it. Just tell the driver, whoever it is for you, fill in the blank with, with whatever it is that's driving. Just tell them, hey, stop, please. I need to go turn my life one more time to Jesus Christ. If you haven't been baptized by 
Uh, Have you ever been baptized into his family? We want to baptize you like the eunuch. We want to see you experience the life that comes, the new life that comes when you go, all of my junk is washed away. I'm no longer led by fear. I'm no longer led by doubt. I'm not led by unbelief. I'm not led by my concern about this or that or the other thing. I'm led by one thing and one thing only, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen? Disciples of Jesus are people who said, I've become free. The way I became free was ironically through surrender. I surrendered my life completely to him. And notice what happens in verse 38. (laughs) Verse 38. He gave orders to stop the chariot and both Philip and the eunuch went down in the water and Philip baptized him. Baptism is a symbol of the washing away of sin and the rebirth into new life. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord took Philip away. He's like, hey, your work is done. Thank you. And he took him away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. And so the eunuch has an encounter with Christ. He encounters the text. The text points him to Christ. And Christ points him to this new life, this abundant life, this full life. Life as it was meant to be lived. In church history, um, the early church father Irenaeus said that um, the Ethiopian conversion, which is different than a lot of the other stories where you see mass crowds of thousands of people, the Ethiopian conversion had a tremendous impact on the early church. There were five centers of of early Christianity. Uh, Rome, Alexandria, which is in northern Africa. Somebody help me in the, um, after the first service. Uh, Carthage, which is also in northern Africa. Constantinople and Jerusalem. Those are the five centers of, of kind of early Christianity. And Carthage and Alexandria are both situated in places that Irenaeus said were impacted by this story. He said that that Ethiopian eunuch's conversion had a greater impact um, than even Philip's work in Samaria. This one conversion, this one interaction, this one act of obedience and submission, people at the river, I'm here to ask you this morning, um, what is the one thing that God is inviting you to submit and surrender to him for? What, what What if faith, what if the faith of nations What if the faith of whole people groups, what if the faith and the the eternal security of others rested on that one act of obedience? Philip said yes when the Holy Spirit prompted him and walked alongside. He was open to the word of God spoken to him. He was open to this angel of the Lord. He was open to that prompting And it connected him with the story of God being read aloud by an Ethiopian eunuch, which connected them to the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. What if for you this morning, one act of obedience had the potential, the possibility of changing the eternal destiny of nations? Come on now. Come on now. Life does not get any better than that. Life does not get any more full than that. Freedom, joy, the full life, the best life, the most abundant life happens one way when we submit and surrender to Jesus Christ. 
And so our prayer for you over the next six weeks is that you will be open. That you will be open to God's word spoken to you through his text. I give you a whole bunch of ways if you're not currently engaged in a Bible reading plan. Man, open that thing up. It'll be like, The number one way for you to grow in your faith, study after study after study has shown us, is to meditate on scripture daily. I love the Rick Warren piece. You know, hey, if I don't do it for a day, I feel it. If I don't do it for a couple days, my wife is like, and if I don't do it for a week, my congregation is experiencing it. Open that thing up daily. Open yourself up daily to that word because it'll point you to Jesus and he's gonna give you the best life. He's gonna give you the abundant life. He's gonna give you the full life that we're hungry for. Amen. Let's pray. Your word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. You said in the psalmist that it's better than honey, better than honey from the comb. By it, your servants are warned, and in keeping your law, there's great reward. We want to be a people with big ears who hear well. We want to be a people with full hearts who see clearly where you're at work in the world. God, may in the next six weeks, stories of obedience just like pop in this river community. God, may stories of obedience just be the norm around here. May we continue to be a people who submit our lives to you and encounter in it just that full life. Lord, we pray for those, our neighbors, our friends, the nations who have not yet heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, who still think that they're working towards salvation. They think that you're angry or upset or that you need something from them. In Jesus, it's all been done already. And so this morning, we celebrate that in him there is eternal life that comes about as we are in relationship with you. Lord, we pray that you will continue to find this community one of joy, of joyful surrender. Lord, may our praise continue to rise. Fount of every blessing, will you tune our hearts to sing your praise? Fount of every blessing, we're open to receive everything, everything that you want to give us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.